Sometimes it doesn't look like uh, God is doing anything. That's what I want to talk about today. Sometimes it looks like, where is God? You ever been in that place in your life? <laughs> ever been in that time and you say, where is God? <laughs> Apparently that little one's been wondering. And we can look around and we can see the lack of God in this nation. We can see, as we've been talking about in this last year, darkness increasing, sin increasing worldwide. And one of the most common questions to the unbeliever is, if, where is God? If God is real, then how can he allow all of these things to happen? The reality is we just don't understand. We never will. You hear me say that a lot. We just will not ever fully get. We start getting glimpses. We start getting more and more revelation. When we start knowing him, our eyes begin to open, our ears begin to open, and we do begin to understand things that we didn't before. We start looking at the world a lot clearer than we did before, but we will never but what I want to say today is that God is still God. Um, I had an interesting experience this week. I preached on Sunday, which I do every week. But then I went into Monday and had my own struggles. Man, my mind was like, man, where's this? How's this going to work out? How am I going to do this? And I got this struggle and that struggle and just trying to juggle life. Who's been there? Well, I came into Tuesday, and I'm, it's still on me. And I felt the Spirit of God say, I mean, right to me, as clear as day, like the Holy Spirit. I showed Linda this on Tuesday. I shared a little bit of this on Tuesday. He comes alongside me sometimes like this and says, I think you need to listen to yourself. You, are, you preach a good game. You're always telling people, trust, you just keep trusting God. It doesn't matter what it looks like, doesn't matter what it sounds like, doesn't matter what it feels like, but it sounds to me like you don't believe the words that you preach. That's what I felt the Holy Spirit said to me. I love when he checks you like that, don't you? I love it. The Bible says that the Lord disciplines those he loves. He says, if he doesn't discipline you, then you're not really a child of him. You're illegitimate. And his discipline's quick. God's discipline's not drawn out and long. It's quick. It's sharp. It comes quick and it's done. Okay. But I heard that and I tried to get my head out of it most of the day. You know, I, was a, I, I, I said, all right, Lord. But I still did, to be honest, struggle with it for the day. Just some things, you know, I'm trying to balance so many things, as we all do. We've got things we're trying to work out. We've got things that need to get paid. We've got, you know, uh, I got a young family, and I have a young business and a young church. <laughs> I've got all these things I'm trying to balance. So I'm just trying to trust them, but I was struggling. And the Holy Spirit got me. Well, I came here on Tuesday night, and I shared that with just a few people here. We were playing some music softly through our, our computer while we were speaking. 
And as soon I said to them, I said, the Holy Spirit said to me, you need to listen to yourself preach. My sermon from last Sunday started playing through the speakers. There w- Dawn started scrambling because we're talking, music's playing, and you know now all of a sudden there's a sermon coming through the speakers. She started scrambling, but it was quiet because we just, you know, we were talking. We didn't want the, la- the music. So I thought I heard myself. Some of the people here thought they heard themselves, and then we started scrambling. Now, last Sunday, when I got up here to preach, it had nothing to do with what I was going to preach, but I just intro to just said hello to you guys and I said it's amazing that God is still God God is still God that's that's all I said well that's all by the time she caught it she stopped it that's all that I said I said it's amazing God is still God so what did the Holy Spirit want me to hear from the fact that, I mean, he could, he could have spoken anything from anybody and I would have got the point. But literally had my own voice, which I had told you guys last Sunday, had said, hey, you preached to them, but now you need to talk to yourself. And literally used my own voice to tell me, God is still God. Man, how quickly. I'm... I, I just, I can't believe how quickly we forget. I'm talking, that was Tuesday. I preached on Sunday. How quickly. He is still God. So I didn't even, I just thought, well, that's amazing. I got it, God. I got it. And the rest of the week was really great. I'd figure some things out. I mean, you just, you're never like, man, it's not like you have a bullet point. God doesn't send a fax to you with bullet points of what your week's going to be like and how he's going to work everything all together. That would be nice sometimes. But I'd start, I just trusted him. I got it. Okay, you're God. But I had planned on going somewhere else for this Sunday. But so now this experience goes even further. Now I'm sitting in my office. And I'm just, I was going to start working on my sermon later on in the week. And um, I had a total different direction I was going to go. But I had a cup of coffee sitting in my chair, my heated blanket. And I was just about to start to work something out. And I looked to my right and there's my coffee cup turned perfectly to me with a scripture on it. And it was Isaiah 40 verse 31. If you want to put that up, Mariah. Now, in the meantime, I had flipped open my concordance because I was like, where's that scripture again? Where's that scripture? And I started thinking about a scripture. And I'd flipped open my concordance, but it got distracted by my coffee cup. And I said, wow, what, you know, it's like you, you know, those things are right in front of you all the time, but all of a sudden it just catches your attention. And it says, And mine was the NIV version, so it says, those that hope, those that trust, those that wait on the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. I look down at my concordance, and right there, I mean, I just flipped open. You know the back of your Bible, the little area with all the scriptures? If you don't know what that is, just the area... So you can say, hey, here's a topic. 
and it was run. It was just, I had flipped it open to R and it was right there, run. I mean, it just jumped off the page to me. I flip open my Bible and I had a sticky note on that page that said Isaiah 40, 28 through 31, just for me. Because at some point when I was studying back, you know, some months back, and I didn't want to get confused to bring it into the sermon by accident. You know, sometimes I'm going through the Bible and I'll sticky note a whole bunch of scriptures. And I had noted it, but I left it in there. I took all my other notes that, okay, my sermon's over, so the Bible's fresh for the next week. But I had left this thing in there, totally forgot about it. Bam. Wow. The Lord does not need to give us signs. We were talking about this a little bit. Jeannie and I were talking about this this week. We, he doesn't need to give us signs to show us. We can just believe, like the creation itself, um, the beauty of marriage and love and children. I mean, he said that there's really, you can just look outside and there's no excuse just by looking at what you see. There's, that's just enough to know that God is God and will always be God. But I love when he does give you signs, don't you? I really do when he just, bam, man, confirms it. So Isaiah 40, I looked a little bit deeper. Why is he saying this? Why did he get to this 31? Just want to read you just a few verses, starting in verse 10. Isaiah 40, verse 10 says, Yes, the sovereign Lord is coming in power. It was prophesying Isaiah, like much of the prophets in the Old Testament. Uh, what I love about the prophecies of the Old Testament is that they're multifaceted and layered. In only a way that God can do, they're prophesying about Jesus coming, but also not just the time that Jesus would come, but times and times and times you can just keep applying this over and over again. Jesus coming again even. So, it's coming into your situation right now. You're, the situation you're in, the Lord is coming. It may not look like, well, I mean, where's God? Where's God? Where's God? But he's coming with power and will rule with a powerful arm and he brings his reward with him as he comes. In verse 11, just want to speed through a bunch of these because it's just amazing to be encouraged. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. Man, I was wondering a little bit, struggling a little bit. It's amazing. His word, I told you, I spent a whole month in September that his word gives its, its life, its abundant life, its living life. It divides your soul that's doubting God from your spirit that's trying to believe God. Here's his word just encouraging us that he's a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms and hold them close to his heart. He will gently lead the mother sheep with their young. Who else has held the oceans in his hand? Then God starts, he starts saying, you know what? Just in case you wondered... I'm God. I'm God because is anybody here capable of holding the oceans in your hand? God says, if I can hold the oceans in my hand, don't you think I can figure out your little tiny minuscule little struggle for today? 
Who has measured off the heavens with his fingers? Who else knows the weight of the earth or has weighed the mountains and hills on a scale? Who is able to advise the Spirit of the Lord? Who knows enough to give him advice or teach him? Has the Lord ever needed anyone's advice? Sometimes I think we, that God, <laughs> I think that God, that we think God needs our advice. Well, God, this is what I would do. If I were God, I would do this, this, and that. I would lay this and that, and it could work this out. I don't know. Maybe it's just my mind. Maybe I'm, like, I'm, I'm not like anybody else, but I try to work God's plans out for him all the time. <laughs> but I'm always trying to work it out for him. Okay. All right, God said to do this, and he's going to, you know, so we can do, you know, and this, it'll work. I can get this thing to work. Does he need instruction about what is good? Did someone teach him about what is right or show him the path of justice? No, for all the nations of the world are but a drop in the bucket. They are nothing more than dust on the scales. He picks up the whole earth as though it were a grain of sand. All the wood in Lebanon's forest, all of Lebanon's animals would not be enough to make a burnt offering worthy of our God. God is so big. He's so great. He's so grand. He knows who he is. He knows that he's God and he knows that we need him. And he's even telling us, man, not only am I God, and I love your worship, I love connecting with you, but technically, you could never really worship me enough, ever. You, you really can't, you're not even capable in your humanity. I accept your heart, man, you lay your heart out before him, that's enough to God. But he's, do you want to get, get down to it? trying to figure things out on your own. I'm so big. I am so great. I'm such a big God that technically, even your worship will never, ever be enough. I'm that great of a God. Verse 17. The nations of the world are worth nothing to him, and his eyes they count for less than nothing, mere emptiness and froth. To whom can you compare God? What image can you find to resemble him? And he was talking here because the time that they were in was very common for them to grave an idol. So engrave an idol, not grave. Engrave an idol. They would make gods for themselves. Now, we don't physically engrave idols that we worship you know, in a little corner of our house. But we certainly make idols, don't we? We certainly put things before God. In fact, right in the midst of a chapter where he's telling us who he is, telling us of the worship he really deserves, and telling us that he understands and he knows and he made it all, right in the middle of this chapter, you find him saying, who, what can you really what can you find? What, can, what kind of help can you get out there? What can you possibly do for yourself? What can, what can anything you could possibly do or make? 
because obviously this wasn't a real God. He's saying whatever you could fashion with your hands, whatever you could come up with with your mind, whatever you could get together to try to create God in your life, you could try to create something that you think that this is going to work. I'm going to make this thing work for me. There is nothing that you could do. There is nothing that could compare. There is nothing you can fill your God-shaped hole, your need for Him, the need to worship Him, the bigness of God in your life. There is nothing that compares in verse 19. Can he be compared to an idol formed in a mold, overlaid with gold and decorated with silver and chains? Verse 20. Or if people are too poor for that, they might at least choose wood that won't decay and a skilled craftsman carve an image that won't fall down. Verse 21. Haven't you heard? I love that it says this. This is what I feel like the Holy Spirit just said to me on Tuesday. <laughs> Don't you understand? That's funny because these words sound familiar. They sound very much like Jesus' words when he was dealing with the disciples. Jesus is showing them all these things. I mean, he, they're walking with Jesus. The miracles are happening, not on the pages that we believe. He said, blessed are those that believe and have not seen. There's a blessing for us, but these guys were watching it with their own eyes and Many times in, you would find them like we get in our hearts a, a state of doubt, a state of not trusting God because we don't understand because we don't have it figured out. And Jesus said something very similar to them. He'd say things like, where's your faith? Why don't you believe? Or you still don't believe, he says. You still don't, why don't you believe yet? What he's trying to say is, haven't you heard? Don't you understand? Are you deaf to the words of God? The words he gave before the world began? Are you so ignorant? God sits above the circle of the earth. The people below seem like grasshoppers to him. He spreads out the heavens like a curtain and makes his tent from them. He judges the great people of the world and brings them to nothing. They hardly get started, barely taking root when he blows on them and they wither and the wind carries them off like chaff. To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? Asked the Holy One. Look up into the heavens. Who created the stars? He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name because, it's because of his great power and incomparable strength. Not a single one is missing. And look what it says here in verse 27. I want to just preach from here. Just wanted to read that. It's telling about who God is. God saying, man, listen, I'm still God. That's what I needed to hear. Hey, if I needed to hear it twice, I thought I just need to hear it twice, but it's possible we all need to hear it maybe twice, three times, four times, five times, a hundred times, a thousand times. Man, we can walk with him in the flesh and still forget. We just need to keep being reminded, keep being reminded, keep being reminded that he is still God. And especially, I pray just for a moment there because we're getting closer and closer to a pivotal moment in this nation. 
This election is not like other elections. I'm not here telling you who to vote for or what time to get to your voting booth. All that I'm saying is that this is not like a normal election. I feel, I don't know if you do, but in my spirit, that this is a pivotal moment in the history of this nation. But God is still God. He's God today, and He will be God on November 9th, the day after. I know it's the 8th. I saw, she's whipping to me, it's the 8th. But God's saying to us, listen, my church, this is Jacob and Israel's his church, it's his people. He's like, my people, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? Man, I almost hear the Lord's, I don't hear the Lord with an attitude saying these words. I hear Jesus with a tear in his eye. How can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? How can you say God ignores your rights? Verse 28. Have you never heard, have you never understood the Lord is the everlasting God? It says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the everlasting God, the creator. He's talking about the beginning. I began some things. I created this world you live in, and I created you. And I never grow weak or weary. I don't personally get this thing, but I want to just, I did want to spend one moment because we're all different personalities. And you might be the person that feels like God gets weary with you. I just wanted to spend 10 seconds to say, God never gets wearied by you or your life or your situation, what you're going through or your sin or your faults. Never, ever. When God says something, he means it. He never, ever, ever grows weak or weary for your situation, whether that's you crying out to God and you're trying to do things right and you're living for Him and you're asking for Him or you are a total wretch. He's looking at you the same. My mercy and my grace is right here. It's there for you. No one can measure the depths of His understanding. Man, there is so much in this little, these little lines right here. So much here that you cannot measure. There is no way. I think, I can't wait. I, you've, I've said it before and I said it a few moments ago. I can't wait until we get to heaven 
and he takes us around to the planets and shows us how it all just stays there. Like, where's the magnets? Where's the strings holding it all up? But there is a plan and a purpose in God. It is so far beyond us that even if he told us, if Jesus came down today and stood right here and told us his plan for your life and for this nation and for your future and for your children, you still would not be able, we are not even able to comprehend how big he is. And that's why I read those verses. Talk, it's, he is so far beyond us. He is so big. The Bible says that if they knew that Jesus, when he was crucified, was going to do what he did on the cross, giving us life, shedding his blood for us, it says that they wouldn't have done it. If the enemy had known it, but God kept some things mysterious. They didn't understand. Even his own disciples didn't understand. They tried to stop him right before it. And he tells Peter, Satan, get behind me. They didn't understand, even the disciples. God's got a plan for this nation. God's got a plan for your life. It is, the depths of it are so deep there's so much mercy for this nation and for your life and for your situation. It's everlasting. It says in 29, He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths, I love this, even youths will become weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion. 20, can we just read 29 again? He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. In verse 30, even youths will become weak. What he's talking about here is your strength. There's not a competition between young and old in here. Who's stronger? We're not going to do a push-up challenge from the 30 and the 60-year-olds right now. I think we're aware that when you're younger, you have just some, a little bit more energy. That doesn't mean you have more drive. I'm, my, the young people of this generation have a lot less drive than the old people, don't they? But natural strength, right? Do you get a little bit tired as you get older, a little bit quicker? Yes. He's saying, man, even a youth, there's a point where you just can't go any longer. There's a point where your strength is done. There's a point where whatever you could do on your own, even if you were a youth, even if you had unlimited energy, it looks like sometimes. It's going to come to an end. There's, a, there's an end to you. But verse 31, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength or will renew their strength. When your strength ends, as I felt like you did in me on Monday and in Tuesday, when I came to the end of my strength, 
You just feel like you want to give up. Well, there's an answer in the word. There's a renewal of your strength that comes. If I could just spend these next minutes with you, I want to paint a picture here. The Bible says that those who trust, this word trust here means a couple of things. Depending on the translation that you're reading, you're going to see a different word. It's one word here. You're going to see different words. And this word means to wait, to look for, to hope, to expect, or to trust. What the Bible says is, is that those just dealing with just a few meanings of this word, you wait, those who wait on the Lord. Well, what is our nature? We don't want to wait for anything. My wife's smiling. She's the worst of them all. There's no denial. She's not going to deny it. Doesn't want to wait for anything. But those who wait, and what does the devil do? What does your situation do? Makes you feel like, I need to figure this out right this second or the world's going to end. Like there's a time bomb on your situation and it's one second left. Don't let anybody or anything pressure you into getting into your own strength. It's not worth it because we just read that even if you had the strength of a youth, you're going to come to the end of you. You're going to come to the end of your understanding. You're going to come to the end of what you've got. And the only people that will keep going, the only ones that when they hit that point where I, I give up, I don't know what, I have no idea what's going on right now. It just feels like a mess. The only ones that will keep going are those who wait on the Lord. Those who stop the running. Man, it's possible that some of the chaos is because you're moving around. You ever run um, or see kids run and like we had some real, real dry uh, days where Aaron was playing baseball and it just becomes a cloud. Like a big giant cloud you can't even see because... It's so dry. But if you stop, some of that cloud will stop. Sometimes the cloud, sometimes the not being able to see, sometimes the, the, the lack of clarity is just because we're running so much. We're trying to do so much, and God's not asking us to do any of those things. Sometimes it's just wait. And you stop. All of a sudden, sometimes the dust just settles, waiting on him. Jesus showed us waiting on his Father. We see many times in the Gospels that Jesus drew away from the crowd. He was doing amazing things, and he's healing people and lifting this one up and doing this and raising from the dead, but then he draws away. 
He says, one time he went away and he spent the entire night in prayer, came down in the morning off the mountain with the Lord, just drew away, just got out of the mess, got out of it. Jesus felt the need to wait on on his father, wait on the Lord. If Jesus did to do his job, then I would say that we should follow his example. It also means to look for, to hope, to expect. And I love that this word means all of this. See, we're taking a Hebrew word and we're writing it into English in in the best way you can. And, And trust works, hope works, they all work. All these words work in the different translations. But I love that there's really a depth to this word. That there's an expectancy as well. There's a hope Those who expect that the Lord is going to come through for them. Those who put their hope and their trust in Him. That when you don't know, that when you've got got a mess and you don't know how to get out of it, that you just stop and you wait and not just that, okay, well, whatever. Whatever happens, happens. But no, I know that God is still God. I'm expecting, I'm hoping that I don't know what that's going to look like. You can't give God, hey, okay, it needs to look like this, this, and that, or it wasn't you. Because he just spent a whole chapter telling us, I think I know. I'm pretty good at organizing. I'm pretty good at order. And isn't it funny that actually science... They went along the coast. Did you guys see this? It was on Discovery Channel, History Channel, a few years ago. They went along the coast and they mapped all of the, uh, the um, uh, cliffs and edges of the, the land where it met the ocean. And they did this, this test. They wanted to plug those numbers into a computer and just see the randomness and the wildness of the coast. Because the Bible says that God holds back the ocean, that who decides where the ocean just stops? But God put a, a, a perimeter, and it looks random. It looks like Sandy created its own border, doesn't it, a couple years ago in New Jersey. But in the randomness and in the wildness and in the, in the disorder that it could look like, oh, that's from uh, storms, and that's from the Ice Age, and we look at all that. Well, they plugged it in, And they converted it to musical notes. And it created a symphony. Even what we think is wild and disorderly and chaotic. God is still God. He is well aware of the storm that came, took this chunk away from your life. He's well aware of what pushed you this way and pulled you that way. But just as the ocean has a border of where it's allowed to go and not to go, so does your life have an order of how far he'll let you go. And it can feel like, man, I'm so far. And he says, I'm I'm not weary yet. Haven't grown weak yet. Haven't grown weary yet. You're not too far from me yet. You're still within the order of God. To him, you still sound like a symphony. You are the reason that he made creation. I prayed that. 
just to speak some things out today. You are the reason. It wasn't finished until He made us. And that's why He tells us, Jesus said, you can look, you can look at the flowers, you can look at the birds, and He says, why do you worry? Jesus says, can you add can you add even just a moment to your life by worrying? Can you add any more strength to your life by worrying? Is there anything you can add to your life by worrying? He said, the bird, they don't get up in the morning and worry about where they're going to eat. They just eat. He said, the flowers of the field, they just grow. The sun is going to be there that day and, 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 and that's it. And he compares us to that. He says, don't worry. He says, don't worry about what you're going to do and how you're going to do it and what you're going to eat and what you're going to wear. It sounds like normal things to me. But yet Jesus says, don't worry about those things. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, the things you need, that what is what are the, the disorder that you're trying to figure out? He says, man, you seek me. You seek me, and I will start laying those things out. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. I don't have time as usual, but I encourage you, it's a big book, but at some point, even if it takes you a couple of weeks, go and read the book of Job. I really felt led to just, and I, and I just, basically, the book of Job is, is about questioning God. Really, that's the, the topic of this whole book. It's a big book. And you could, you could read a couple chapters in the beginning, a couple in the middle, and a couple at the end, and you'll get the idea because it's repetitive. And it's like, I think it's written like that on purpose, really, because it's getting you to like, okay, it's this never-ending questioning and trying to reason and trying to understand God. But it comes to an end, and I don't have time to read a lot, so I'm just going to read just these, a couple of the verses I had picked out. Finally, though, you come to the end of the book and God shows up to Job and all this reasoning. I mean, it's just chapter after chapter after chapter after chapter after chapter of reasoning and questioning and trying to figure things out. And meanwhile, there's this other theme of them just saying, just curse God and die. God's abandoned you. God's left you, obviously, all this chaos and the struggle and the fight in your life, obviously God's abandoned you. God wants nothing to do with you. And finally, God speaks up. Don't you love? He lets you wander, doesn't he? He lets you question. And then he shows up and he says, who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? He says, brace yourself like a man <laughs> because I have some questions for you and you must answer them. 
Man, God says, I got some questions and you have to answer them. He says, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much, who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? What supports its foundations and who laid its cornerstone? And as the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy, God did creation and the angels are watching and seeing it. You know, you were there, right, Job? And he says, who will discredit my justice and condemn me just to prove you are right? Are you as strong as God? Can you thunder with a voice like his? Put your glory and splendor, your honor and your majesty, put it on. Let your anger overflow against the proud. Humiliate the proud with a glance. Walk on the wicked where they stand. Bury them in the dust and imprison them in, in the world of the dead. Then even I would praise you, God says to Job. Then you dress yourself in your glory and you let people just, you let them look at you because God doesn't, he's so powerful, he's so big, we can't even look at them it's, if we did. Just a glance, it says, would humiliate us. And he's like, Job, I want you to robe yourself in, in your glory because you're God. And then I, even I would worship you. But Job responds in chapter 42, I know that you can do anything and no one can stop you. You asked, who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? It's I, it is I, it's me. It was me, God. And I was talking about things I knew nothing about. Wow. Things far too wonderful for me. You said, listen, and I will speak. I have some questions for you and you must answer them. I had only heard about you before, but now I've seen you with my own eyes and I take back everything I said and I sit in dust and ashes to show my repentance. There are things we will never understand. And again, I encourage you, go read the book of Job. It's really a spectacular book. It gets thrown out too easily as Old Testament, but it's a spectacular story of God being God. And if you know the story, God had a plan. Everything that was taken in his life, everything that was ruined, God not only gave back what the devil took in that time, but he gave back double of everything. There is nothing you're going through, nothing you're facing that he does not see. If you could put up that verse just to close. He will take you if you trust in Him. If you humble yourself before the Lord. James 4, right? Humble yourself before the Lord. It's the beginning. I'm going to come back to you, God. Just like we do when we start. Forgive me. He come to a place of repentance. It's what we do. When we realize that God had a plan and He was working some things out and we just, you know what? You're right. I'm little man. You're big God. Yeah, 31. And when we come to that place, Isaiah 40, verse 31, when we come to that place of humility, we come to the place of, all right, stepping back. We're just going to wait on God. I'm going to trust God. But I'm going to hope and I'm going to expect. I know that he's going to come through. And there's a strength that automatically comes. And what he does is he will take you up high. 
He takes you up. He will raise you up above. You are looking at things like this, and it seems like the world is against you. But he brings you up above the situation. I had done a little research. The eagle flies at 10,000. Wait, I always give you guys statistics, and I don't know them. And then uh, somebody's on the web arguing with me. Well, whatever. I think it's like 10,000 to 15,000. I'd written it down. It's not in these notes, apparently. 10 to 15,000 feet above. And when he sees what he wants, he will fly it up to 200 miles per hour down to get to where he needs to get to. But he comes up above. The Lord, he uses this on purpose. They will soar on wings like eagles. You start, you just step back. You wait on him. You let it go. You trust in him. You come to the place where like Job came to. Come to the place where I came to this week. Lord, I don't know your God. And you come to that place and guess what happens? Immediately, there's a new strength. And he raises you up above, and it's true. All of a sudden, you start seeing things a little bit clearer and a little bit clearer. And then the picture gets bigger and broader and sharper. And then when it's time to take you to where he needs to get you to, we'll get you there quickly. You're not going to miss. Does the eagle miss its destination? It's the most lethal, right? It's known as like, man, the lethal. It's God will get you to your destination. He'll get you there in the, you will not miss it. Let's just get a better perspective, get you above it. And at the right time, bam, he'll plant you right on the ground where you need to be. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. A strength just comes in him. If you're at the end of your rope, you feel like, man, I just don't, I can't go anymore. I just feel, or just feel far from God. Sometimes things in your life, they do feel okay if you just judge them by the natural, but are you the one that just feels far from God? If you really ask him in your heart, do you feel like, you know, I, I feel far. Well, his, he, he's not looking at you saying, gosh, man, I'm just sick and tired of this one. He doesn't grow weary. We do. Did you notice the words there? that it was the same word. We will not grow weary. We are weary, but he's not. And when we get inside of him, come back to him, then our weariness goes away. If you feel far, I just want to pray. I want you in your own heart before the Lord today. It might be a situation or it just might be cold in your heart. I want to get back to you. I want to get close to you. I feel like my strength spiritually has been running out. Things on the natural, they look okay. Let's pray. God, we thank you that when we humble ourselves, when we decide we're going to wait on God, even though the rest of the world has got it figured out and they're doing their thing. We decide against the flow, against traffic. We're stopping. We don't care. We're going to stop. We're going to wait. We're going to trust God. We're going to 
lay our lives at your altar. I thank you, Lord. Your word gives us a promise. You give us new strength. I pray, Lord, for every heart that's low today, every heart that feels burdened and is weighed down. Thank you, Lord, that today you're going to raise those hearts up above, above that situation, a little more perspective, a little more clarity, outside of the noise, outside of the chaos, outside of the struggle. And I thank you, Lord, that the weariness and the tiredness spiritually is going. It's leaving right now, and strength is coming. Just pray in Jesus' name. Amen.